Before we get into it, though, a word from my cat. That was my cat. Happy Wednesday, beautiful, and happy second day of February. I hope your January ended on a somewhat of a happy note, or at least with some excitement for the second chapter of 2022. If you're new here, please just pause for one minute and go finish episode 13 before you start this one, because this is the part two to that one, and in order to get the most out of this episode, I feel like fully finishing the first episode is kind of necessary but I appreciate your enthusiasm to listen to me ramble. Um, I just wanted to start off, as usual, expressing some gratitude. I think it was last week. One of our That Girls DM'd me and told me that she had created a tote bag inspired by the whole That Girl mindset, but not social media's version. No, sir. She did so inspired by this podcast's version of that girl. And when I tell you I cried, I don't mean I pretty cried. I mean I puffy-eyed, watery nose, hiccuping kind of crying, you know? Because how sweet is that? Like some – are you kidding me? So sweet. <laughs> I love you guys. I really – yeah, thank you. Uh, before we get right into today's episode, though, I did want to – I did? I do. I do want to chit-chat. There we go. That's better. For a second about what's new, especially because we we finished our first month in this new year. So yay, go us. Um, I wanted to talk about progress with New Year's resolutions just really quickly, just so we can hold each other accountable and know what's going on. Um, so instead of just making goals or resolutions for this entire year, I decided to change it up and I made them into more digestible sub goals per month. So I have long-term goals like reading a certain amount of books per year or doing this and that, whatever. But in order to make that more attainable, I made sub goals. So like reading a certain amount of books per month in order to get to the end goal of the certain amount of books per year. That might have sounded confusing. I don't know. But for January... I completed two out of the five goals I had. <laughs> yes, I did. But even though I only had a 40% completion rate in January, I am very proud, okay? Because I developed new habits that I'll bring with me in my future months, and I'm happy, you know? And I, I also, I did two things that I would not have done otherwise if I hadn't made these sub-goals, so... I'm very content with my 40% completion, and I know that I'll improve. You know, we got to start somewhere. So if you didn't do things you had planned to get done this past month, no worries. So did I. Just as long as you learned something and are looking forward to the future, you're on the right track. Okay, forgive yourself and move on and try again. Another thing that I wanted to share with you guys is that I love starting art projects. I love it. 
but I have a hard time finishing them <laughs> because I get bored and I get distracted and I forget about them. But I'm really trying to work on that because having a lot of open-ended projects just stresses me out and I get messy and cluttered and it's kapooey. So another goal for me this year was to hold myself more accountable with my work, meaning if I start something, it's my duty to finish it. So after two months, <laughs> I finished my first ever knit blanket. I did. I know. Please hold your applause till the end. That's actually why this episode is up kind of late today because I got so close to finishing a few days ago and I was like, you know what? We're just going to full speed ahead, get through this and finish it. So the last two days, I've just been doing that, just been knitting. Um, I just think this is like an important lesson for you guys. Um, if you're someone that used to do art when you, you were younger, like I did, but stopped because it was just a hobby that you felt like you couldn't monetize or something that you forgot about because as you get older, you put your hobbies on the back burner for the sake of your career. This is your sign to not do that anymore. Get out your art supplies, get out your knitting needles, whatever, and do it for fun and because you want to, not because you're looking for some financial gain or some work skill, whatever, just because you want to have some fun and a creative outlet. Because since I've made this more of a goal to finish my projects this year, I have refurbished furniture, I've finished knitting projects, I've used my sketchbook. I've been more creative in the last 30 days than I have in like the last two years. So this is your sign to do that because you don't you don't need to make money off of something you enjoy in order to give yourself an excuse to do it. So yeah, that's everything really new with me. Um, yeah, okay. <laughs> Hopefully that was enough girl time for your evening. Um, anyway, today's episode is a continuation off of last week's topic. So all things skincare. We already talked about the science behind our skin, like the different skin types, acne types and causes, skin conditions, all of that necessary stuff. So now let's talk about the goodies. I know you're all excited about this. So we're talking products, ingredients, regulation, FDA regulation, or the lack thereof. But before we get into all of that drama and info, <laughs> it's time for the advertisements. Like a lot of you, I'm on a journey to lead a more sustainable life while trying not to sacrifice my fashion or my comfort. And a brand that I found that fits my needs is Tentry. Tentry is an amazing earth-centered apparel brand with an incredible mission. For each item you purchase, 10 trees are planted because of you. They've currently planted over 70 million trees already in areas like Madagascar, Nepal, Senegal, Cambodia, Haiti, Canada, and the U.S. They've restored ecosystems that once experienced dramatic deforestation to their former glory. And while they're repairing these habitats, Tentry creates jobs for communities in extreme poverty. So while you're looking to purchase their amazing quality, sustainable, comfortable, and cute apparel, just know that you're helping communities of both people and wildlife. Oh, and if you're worried about factory conditions, don't. Tentry is very transparent in their production line and guarantee an ethical and safe environment for their employees while they produce their clothing. Tentry has a goal to plant 1 billion trees by 2030. Are you up to help them take on this challenge? Click the link in the episode bio to check out their products and get 10% off your first purchase. So thank you for listening. Um, before I continue with the actual content, I just wanted to put out a disclaimer 
First things first, of course, as I said in the last episode, I'm not a dermatologist. I'm not an esthetician. I'm not certified. I'm not a doctor. I am just a consumer like you that cares about the quality and type of ingredients that go onto my skin. Another thing is that I am both passionate and bored as hell by this topic. So this was quite a difficult episode for me to make. I know that sounds weird, but hear me out, please. I'm just going to be honest with you guys. I really, I don't really care about skincare. I mean, I do. Like, I follow a consistent routine and I do so twice a day because I do care about my skin health. But at the same time, I'm not someone that's always looking for the next best product. In fact, if anything, I have beef with the skincare industry that will go over soon enough. But what I do is I just find a routine that works for my skin by brands that I trust and I stick with that for as long as possible until the products either become discontinued or I find that the brand is like terrible for the earth. That's that's it. And that's actually what happened last time to my skincare routine. It's just that skincare can quickly get expensive and being totally honest, I'm not going to spend $100 on a lotion that will last me like two weeks. That's just not going to happen. And I also feel like there comes a point where too many products is just unnecessary. I feel like it's just a scam established by big corporate companies to fatten their wallets by preying off of the idea that you need like a 20-step routine in order to be considered even remotely beautiful. Like that's just not true. Your skin really does not need a 20-step routine because who has the time, the money, or the energy for that? Like if you have a routine that takes you 30 minutes to complete, chances are you're not going to stick with that routine consistently. And if you do, by all means, go you and ignore me because what the hell do I know? I'm not a dermatologist, but I personally will not be doing that because I just don't have that funds. I don't have that time nor the energy. I have a routine that's in my price range. It takes me like five minutes in the morning and five in the evening. I love the company that I'm supporting with, you know, by buying their products. I love their mission And I I trust their products. I enjoy what's inside of their products. That sounds weird that I keep saying products. But that's good enough for me. That's all I need. That's whatever. Because that's what else can you ask for? I mean, sure, I do break out occasionally. I'm not saying that I don't. But no brand is going to completely get rid of your acne or skin imperfections. Because cleansing and applying products directly to your skin will only do so much. Like I said in the last episode, factors like stress, hormones, diet, pollution, and genetics play a huge factor in skin health. And I know that when I break out, it's not because my products aren't working. It's because I forgot to take a supplement for my PCOS or I did not drink enough water or I've been eating foods that just upset my endocrine system and all this stuff. So I know that my products work for me, they work for my skin, and I'm content. So yeah, that's kind of why I'm bored as hell by this topic because I don't really care about the aesthetic that skincare promises. I just more so care about the ingredients. Yeah, that's like the part that I am passionate about, which is the health, sustainability, and legal factor. So environmental impact of the products I'm using, the quality of the ingredients, the ethics of the brand I'm supporting. Um, Not only that though, but after doing research about the regulation of beauty products in the United States, I got angry. And if you're an American that cares about your skin's health, you're going to be angry too. So another little disclaimer though, before I get into the FDA approval, all that cute stuff. 
I wanted to talk about what I found during my research that I felt like I should address. There are some themes that I just kept seeing and it's that there's always something better out there and there's so much conflicting opinions and information. There's always going to be a brand that's better rated or a routine that's more effective or a serum that's cheaper or an ingredient that's safer. There's going to be times where you think you found the brand that you're loyal to, but surprise, there's a lot of chemicals, including formaldehyde. Like, There's also always going to be that one source that says the product or the brand that you're using is great. Nothing wrong with it. And there's going to be another source that says, no, it's terrible. Get rid of it. You can't really win. And with all these options and different advice sources, it's overwhelming and it's intimidating. So what I'm trying to say is find a brand that works for you, a brand that you trust, and stick with it. Because someone's always going to recommend something that works better. And there's going to always be a brand that offers better products. But if it, if what you're using is working for you and it's safe and it's healthy, then don't fix what's not broken, you know? And I'm also, I'm not here to tell you what you should or shouldn't be using product-wise. Like, I'm not going to say, oh, well, if you're not using AHA, then your skin must look like shit and you're not taking care of your skin right. That's not what I'm going to do. I'm just here to give you the information that you need to get you thinking. Not to strictly follow what I'm saying, but to get you thinking. Because in reality... I couldn't care less if you learn anything from this episode. All I care about is that this episode in one way or another makes you curious about what's in your skincare products and the impact of them. Curious enough to want to be more aware and more autonomous and do your own research because you want to. Not because I'm telling you what to do, but because you want to know if what you're doing is genuinely safe for your skin and your skin type and the planet and if it's if it's worthwhile if it's worth your money um that was a long disclaimer and hopefully it wasn't just like a mess i guess also wanted to briefly talk about my history with skincare and use that as a way to explain why the hell i think i'm qualified enough to give you advice first things first i'm not (laughs) i am not qualified because as i already said I'm not a dermatologist or an esthetician, and I also had to look up all this information. I didn't learn it in a professional setting. And in reality, you could have looked it up yourself, but I know that the internet is troublesome, complex, and there's so many different routes and avenues that you just don't really know where to start. So my purpose is to be that middleman. So I've just condensed it all down for you to be more easy to digest and more of a guide, if that makes sense. But if you're looking for details and secrets that only a professional would know, sorry, it's not me. <laughs> but I do know like some resources you can try out. We actually have a fellow that girl. She listens to the podcast. Her name is Bryn Lowe. And she's a really passionate esthetician. And she has a whole Instagram page that goes into hyper detail if you're interested about like your ingredients, skincare products, purposes, all that. We support girlies here, you know, and she supports the pod. We got to support her right back. Her Instagram link will be in the episode bio, so definitely check her out if that's something you're going to be interested in. I know there's also, like, some YouTubers. I think there's a guy named Hiram. I don't really know him. I can't really recommend him, but I know that's one YouTuber out there that's really big about skincare. But 
Most of all, if you have a lot of personalized skin questions that need answering, please go to an actual dermatologist. There's nobody more qualified to give you that opinion than them. When I was in high school, I used to get folliculitis on my legs from shaving. And for some weird reason, I talked to everybody but my dermatologist for over a year. And of course, nothing changed in my legs. I scoured the internet. I tried at-home remedies. Nothing worked. But when I went to my dermatologist, he fixed me right up. But not only did he do that by getting me the right medication, but he informed me of my skin type, why folliculitis was happening with me personally, and how my genetics, ethnicity, and environment played a role. So yes, dermatologists are the absolute best avenue you can go. So yeah, that's why I'm like not qualified. But why am I qualified? What makes me think I got this going on? So as I said, just like you, I'm a consumer that wants the best for my skin. And when I was younger, you know, before we all cared about wrinkles and retinol and all that, and before we knew about sustainability, a good or bad brand, regulation, whatever, I just used the same three-step Clinique skincare system twice a day for literally eight years. So sure, you know, my skin was fine. It worked. And I'm not going to lie to you and say that it didn't work just because I want to discourage you from purchasing from them. Yeah, I really, at the time, I didn't care about what I was using so long as my skin was washed and moisturized. So I didn't pay attention to the environmental impact of Clinique or the long-term impact of ingredients or anything deeper than the effectiveness. But as I got older, I became more conscious of my consumerism. And by that, I mean the health and mission of the brands I'm supporting with my money and what ingredients my skin was absorbing, things like that. So my mission changed from just washing and moisturizing my face to finding a brand that offered healthy products with a quality mission and ethical standpoints. So that means that I don't really care about using four different types of acids on my face, even if it's guaranteed to get rid of my blackheads. I just care that I'm being consistent with my routine and purchasing healthy products from brands that I trust and support to be friendly to the planet and the world around them. Okay, so now I've, that I've gotten that long disclaimer and my qualifications or, you know, lack thereof, out of the way, we can actually start with the episode content. First things first, though, I would like to talk about the regulation on your skincare ingredients and how... It's not looking good, honey. It's really not. Here's the gist, okay? If you're an American like me, you have got to be more cautious of your skincare products. A lot of us thought, me being one of them, that the Federal Drug Administration or the FDA was responsible for approving skincare products. It's not. Cosmetics or products that are applied to the human body for cleansing, beautifying, promoting attractiveness, or altering appearance are not required by American law to be FDA approved. That's concerning. The only thing beauty and skin related that requires FDA approval are medicines, steroids, or ointments that treat disease. So thankfully, things like Accutane are FDA approved. And so while the FDA doesn't approve the cosmetic products you would buy for your average skincare routine, the FDA does regulate cosmetics because of two laws in particular. The first is the Federal Food, Drug, and Cosmetic Act, or the FDNC Act, 
And the second one is the Fair Packaging and Labeling Act, or the FPLA. So we're going to talk about the FD&C Act. So the FD&C Act prohibits the marketing of adulterated or misbranded cosmetics in interstate commerce. If that did not make sense, let me break it down or go more into detail, I guess. So this act states that the FDA does not allow for products to be sold or transported across state borders if it contains something poisonous or harmful to the consumer if used under the conditions intended, if it contains something filthy, putrid, or decomposed, if it has been prepared under insanitary conditions where it might have been contaminated with filth or is dangerous to human health, if it has a container that's composed of any dangerous substance, or if it contains an unsafe color additive. So, you know, that sounds good, right? You know, not too bad of a deal. If the FDA says that the cosmetics sold can't contain certain ingredients, then that obviously means that the products being regulated must be healthy and must be safe because surely the government would have a long list of safety precautions, right? No. <laughs> Sorry to burst your bubble, but no. There is a grand total of 11 ingredients banned by the FDA. 11. So that means that all those things that's saying, oh, it, it can't contain anything poisonous or harmful to the consumer. That means there are only 11 ingredients that are considered harmful to the consumer. 11. Now, that doesn't shock you. Let me put it into perspective. The EU has banned over 1,300 cosmetic ingredients because they're either known or suspected to cause cancer, genetic mutation, reproductive harm, or birth defects. In other words, this act does pretty much next to nothing. For an example, did you know that the EU banned formaldehyde from cosmetics, but the U.S. hasn't? That is not good, honey. If you're not concerned, I don't know what to tell you because that freaked me out. I'm putting a link in the episode bio for the full list of chemicals banned in the EU so you can hold your skincare to those standards instead of American standards. So the list of chemicals and ingredients that you should be avoiding and that are banned in the EU, they start on page 18 of that document. So look there. Another big red flag present in our beauty industry is greenwashing. I know we all want the best for our skin. That's why we thought the FDA would be like, oh my god, we care, but they don't. <laughs> And I know that we always tend to gravitate towards products labeled natural because it sounds healthy, right? You know, like we think, oh, brands wouldn't label their products natural if they weren't completely safe, if they weren't free from chemicals and additives, and they'd only label them natural if they were healthy, right? I'm sorry again. I really don't mean to be bursting your bubble every two minutes, but no, <laughs> The title natural means absolutely nothing. There is no legal regulation associated with that term, meaning you can literally just slap on the word natural on something that could be like way more harmful than a totally lab-made product, and it's totally fine. Like It's completely allowed. Dr. Jessica Krant, a dermatologist in New York City, revealed this by stating that it's totally legal for companies to use the phrase natural flavors or natural fragrances when referring to chemical preservatives in their products. Shocking. So if you see something that says natural, remain skeptical. Not only does the lack of regulation mean that natural has no meaning, but remain skeptical of the word fragrance on the ingredient list as well, because unsafe chemicals can be hidden by this term. So that's another thing to think about. 
Also, I hate to say this too, but organic can be greenwashing too. Only 1% of a product's ingredient composition has to be organic in order for the entire product to be labeled organic. So in theory, 99% of the ingredients in your product could contain the anti-organic carcinogenic pesticides. It sucks that I have to say it, but always assume you're being lied to. Don't believe the packaging, even if it's FDA regulated, but instead do your own research free from their input. Use the EU banned chemical list. Use a directory I'm about to give you that will help you dissect your skincare ingredients. Be informed and be proactive. And this is for my beauty gurus out there, my skincare girly girls. If you're someone passionate about skincare, please listen to me and listen closely. You have more power than you think. People, especially young women, are looking up to you for advice over something as precious and as sensitive as skin. So this is something that can bring a lot of insecurity and emotion with it. Your words carry a weight you might not even know that you have, and you have to understand that you are a representation of the beauty industry. The industry, as I just said, is a dangerous money pit that preys on the vulnerability of young women, that they create it by reiterating that their skin isn't good enough as is, and the only way that they'll ever be pretty as these airbrushed models is by spending hundreds of dollars on their products that aren't even worth half of that. Please, if you can, promote the use of brands that genuinely care for their customers, brands that care about the planet and brands that care about the ingredients more than their profits. Be careful with the brands and the products that you share with others. It's 2022 and change in this industry is long overdue. So now that you have more of an understanding of the beauty industry, let's talk about ingredients. Being realistic, I wish I could, but I I just, I can't fit in every skincare brand, every ingredient, every product, every chemical, all into one episode. If I did, you would most definitely hate me and fall asleep. But I'm here to provide you with the resources to be better consumers, more independent, and start yourself on your own journey to educating yourself. So I'm linking an amazing directory called Inside Decoder in the episode bio that you just have to check out. If you find a brand or a product that you're not sure about and you don't know if these ingredients are good for you or not, whatever, just type in the brand or the product or the ingredient into this directory and it will break it down for you. It will tell you everything you need to know. It's so ridiculous how in detail it is. It's amazing. I just found this recently and it's got me so thankful that I switched off some old skincare brands It's so helpful, it's so informative, and it's completely free. No, this is not sponsored. It's just me caring about you. I have it bookmarked in my browser right next to a sustainable clothing directory by Good On You, which will also be linked in the bio. (laughs) So if you're considering a new product that I don't cover the ingredients that's in it, and I don't tell you if it's good or bad for the planet, here's your chance to look by yourself. So as I just said, my job is to give you the tools to be more informed and more proactive and have more personalized control over your own life. So hopefully by having access to this directory, you're one step closer to that. So now let's actually talk about ingredients. So what makes an ingredient good? Well, first of all, just completely throw the whole idea of using all natural ingredients out the window because that means nothing. It's merely a marketing word. We just talked about it. Not worth it. 
What makes an ingredient good is its ability to work with your skin's natural chemistry, like as in, when I say natural, you know what I mean that time. I mean like what you already have and either replenish or maintain your skin's barrier, pH, healthy bacteria, and regulate your sebum production levels. So you already know who I am. I made a list. <laughs> I made a list of the most highly approved of ingredients by dermatologists, by everyone pretty much, and why we use it, what's the purpose of it, things like that. So the first on this list is hyaluronic acid. Hyaluronic acid actually does occur naturally within the human body and abundantly at that. Um, it can be found in the young skin. It can be found in joint fluid and your body's natural tissues. But as you age, your hyaluronic acid levels deplete. So by using products containing this acid, it will replenish your skin's firmness and your hydration levels and actually even treating wrinkles. Fun fact. And another fun fact about hyaluronic acid is that if you combine this with vitamin C, you'll get the maximum penetrative abilities. Second thing on this list are alpha hydroxy acids or AHAs. I've mentioned this a few times. I think I mentioned it last episode. But there are a bunch of different AHAs including glycolic acid, lactic acid, tartaric acid, and citric acid. And the purpose of these is to help with fine lines and wrinkles, irregular pigmentation, age spots, help treat mild to moderate forms of acne, scars, and might even help you shrink but not erase enlarged pores. And this actually works by the acid acts as an exfoliant by working on top of the skin and it allows for your dead skin cells to shed and reveal a newer skin underneath it. AHAs also act as humectants, meaning they draw water from the environment into your skin, and that'll keep your skin moisturized for longer. And AHAs have actually been shown to increase your collagen production, which, as I said in last week's episode, is vital for skin elasticity. AHAs are actually a more aggressive exfoliant and can increase sun sensitivity, so it is essential that you pair this with sunscreen. It's not optional. So another good skincare ingredient is ceramides. I mentioned ceramides very briefly last week, if you remember, but ceramides are lipids that make up about 30 to 40% of our epidermis or outermost layer of skin, and it helps hold our cells together to keep moisture in and keep irritants and germs out. And as you age, your skin's naturally occurring levels of ceramides drop, just like um, hyaluronic acid. So your skin will dry out and your skin's natural barrier function will be compromised. And it really is important to look for moisturizers that contain ceramides to replenish your skin's barrier for your overall health. Another skincare ingredient that's good is vitamin C. There's a bunch of different types of vitamin C, but the most ideal version for your skincare products is L-absorbic acid because that absorbs the quickest and has the highest potency when applied topically. And the purpose of vitamin C is vitamin C is the only antioxidant proven to stimulate the synthesis of collagen. And this will lead to minimizing fine lines, scars, and wrinkles. It'll reduce hyperpigmentation and even out your skin tone. And it may even better the appearance of photodamaged skin. And if you're a vitamin C lover, here's a little tidbit for you. Vitamin C will destabilize when it comes into contact with air. So if you can, look for small opaque bottles and or pump dispensers so it will not lose its potency before you even use it. Another good skincare ingredient is vitamin E. 
Vitamin E is the name given to a large family of like, I think, eight different types of oil-soluble antioxidants. Vitamin E really isn't ideal for extremely sensitive, extremely oily, or acne-prone skin. So do keep that in mind. Um, but it has been known to help hydrate and heal skin. And it has been known to act as an anti-inflammatory agent as well. And fun fact, vitamin E and vitamin C actually bring out the best in each other. And if you put them together or find an ingredient or serum that contains the two of them, congrats. They work better together than individually. So that's cool. Another ingredient is vitamin B3. So topical vitamin B3 or niacinamide, if you know it by that name instead, is known to increase the skin's elasticity. It's known to strengthen the skin barrier, fight acne, even skin tone and hyperpigmentation, and even reduce inflammation. And when I say it fights acne, it does so due to both its anti-inflammatory properties and because it targets the very first stage of acne and prevents people from developing in the first place. Another ingredient, I think it's the last one I have on this list as of right now, is algae extract. This sounds gross, okay, but listen. All kinds of algae contain anti-inflammatory and antioxidant properties, and there's such a wide variety of different types of algae extracts. There is red algae extract, which grants like 128% moisture surge with just one application. There's spirulina, which I think you've like drinking before, but so yeah, spirulina is a great source of chlorophyll, which has cleansing products and it helps with your skin to retain moisture. There's astaxanthin, which is 150 times stronger than vitamin E and 6,000 times stronger than vitamin C. So it's one of the most potent antioxidants in the world. It's crazy. There's also chlorella, which is a green microalgae, and that's rich in B vitamins, magnesium, zinc, and those all help clear the skin, and it can also help treat atopic dermatitis and eczema. There are a bunch of other skincare products and ingredients that are incredible for the skin, like alpha-lipoic acid, uh, tea tree oil, copper peptide, kojic acid, but in reality, I'm just tired of explaining these. <laughs> Guys, I'm I'm sorry. <laughs> I also have a list of controversial um, ingredients that had a really twisted viewpoints depending on where you looked. So the first on this list is beta-hydroxy acids or BHAs. And two examples of that include salicylic acid and tropic acid. And like AHAs, BHAs are exfoliants that do help improve sun-damaged skin. But unlike AHAs, BHAs are more gentle, they work more within the pores, and they increase the skin's resistance to ultraviolet damage and also have a lot of antibacterial effects. So they're more ideal for acne because of these antibacterial properties. But here's the controversy. The International Agency for Research on Cancer classifies BHA as a possible human carcinogen, and the European Commission on Endocrine Disruption has also listed BHA as a Category 1 priority substance based on evidence that it does interfere with hormone function. So as someone who already has a, pardon my French, fucked up endocrine system, I will not be participating in the BHA trend. <laughs> but that's, it's controversial. It's, uh, of course, not really a big deal in America because we lack that regulation, but it's up to you. That's just something to think about. And the second I have on this list is retinoids. I'm sure you've heard of retinol on TikTok because I feel like retinoids have really taken off this year. Oh, not this year, like the last two years. 
So retinoids are vitamin A derivatives, and some examples of retinoids include retinol, retinol aldehyde, and retinol esters. So the purpose of retinoids, um, they're labeled as a vital ingredient in anti-aging products. I hate that term. Um, but they're known to improve acne, acne scarring, model pigmentation, fine lines and wrinkles, skin texture, skin tone and color, and your skin's hydration levels. I've used retinol. I've enjoyed it, but I did some research, and this research has actually linked retinoids to an increased risk of skin cancer when used on sun-exposed skin. And unfortunately, cosmetic companies have added the ingredient to plenty of products meant for daytime use, including sunscreen. So if you plan on using retinoids, try to limit it to night use and pair with a sunscreen that does not contain retinoids. <laughs> but I, when I use retinol, I only do it at night and I do it like every other day, I think. But yeah, do not use it if you're going out. Do not use it during the day. Even if you're not going outside, just do not use it unless you're going to bed with no sunlight, whatever. So we went through the good ingredients or some examples of good ingredients. We went through controversial ingredients. Now it's time for the no-no ingredients. Um, the first on this list uh, are parabens. Parabens are usually listed as methyl, butyl, and propylparaben on the ingredient list. And parabens are a group of preservatives used in many cosmetics to keep them fresh and germ-free. And the issue with them all started when a 2004 study detected parabens in samples of cancerous breast tissue. Parabens are also known to mimic estrogen in the body, so they are a possible hormone or endocrine disruptor. Not only that, though, like not only are they bad for your health, but they're also terrible for the planet. The Environmental Working Group has found a link between parabens and the death of coral reefs as well as reproduction issues in animals. Um, that's heartbreaking. I know that you all might like a brand called CeraVe because they have the most amazing cream, like a body cream. I would know that because I've used that lotion for like 10 years. But I think it was like a year ago I found out they have parabens. No more CeraVe for me, baby. Uh, <laughs> another thing on this list is polyethylene glycol or PEG. PEG is used as a thickener, as a moisture vector, and even as a solvent or a softener. And the dangers of PEG start with a manufacturing process, where it could be contaminated with ethylene oxide and 1,4-dioxane, both of which have um, a quite alarming amount of proof, indicating that they are carcinogenic or cancer-causing. So yeah, be on the lookout for PEG. Another ingredient is petrolatum. So this product is pretty much just petroleum jelly. I'm just going to call it that. So if you don't know what Vaseline actually is, it's petroleum jelly. And petroleum jelly is a byproduct of petroleum refining, which is, you know, fossil fuel mining and extracting. Boo. So it's said that if petrolatum is properly refined, then there aren't any health concerns associated with this product. But listen up. The EU mandates that for cosmetic use, the full refining history for the petroleum must be known and must be proven to be non-carcinogenic. The U.S. does not have those requirements on refinement, meaning it could very well be contaminated with toxic chemicals known as polycyclic aromatic hydrocarbons, or PAHs. And that's what makes the petroleum. I feel like I'm saying that so wrong, <laughs> which are what makes the petroleum carcinogenic. Sorry, I had to take a break. My dad had to come downstairs to get some ginger tea. <laughs> okay, 
So another ingredient on this list that's no bueno is phthalates. So there are phthalates like DBP, In case you guys did not know this, I have four dogs and two cats, and every five minutes, they're doing something ridiculous. Like, a few hours ago, my cat Ringo literally shit on the wall. Like, he took a dump against the wall. And the wall is white, so... Is that oversharing? (laughs) Okay, anyway. Phthalates. So... Phthalates like DBP, DEHP, and DEP, a lot of acronyms, are fragrances in your skincare products that stick to your skin. And there is plenty of research that indicates that this whole family of ingredients totally disrupts your endocrine system and is toxic to both reproductive and non-reproductive organs. They're also known to cause birth defects. So if you're looking to start a family, to add to your family... If you're breastfeeding, if you're pregnant, just be on the lookout for phthalates. And while the FDA does require... Oh my... Do you hear my cats jingling in the background? (laughs) Maybe you don't. Maybe you guys think I'm crazy right now. But I guess put a new tag on my cat because he keeps running away. (laughs) Okay. 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 Sorry. Let me stay on topic. So... While the FDA does require that manufacturers list this ingredient, phthalates, there's a dangerous loophole in listing requirements. Because this ingredient family is used in fragrances and because fragrance ingredients are classified as trade secrets, there is a strong chance you may also have products that contain one or more undisclosed type of phthalate. So so while you might have a product that's phthalate, free that you think so you're like oh i don't use phthalates my skincare brand is totally phthalate free you might not know that it's not like you might not know that because the fda does not require manufacturers to list that like because it's a trade secret so this is a great example of you can only do so much in your skincare you can only do so much in life because in one way or another you're getting screwed over like i'm sorry i feel so bad for you because i feel bad for myself too this is such a such a ripoff anyway sulfates (laughs) another ingredient that's no bueno is sulfates sulfates are known carcinogens that are found in about 90 percent of cleansing products that foam up and they're also known to cause irritation to your eyes skin lungs and trigger allergies there are also concerns of it causing non-reproductive organ toxicity as well as it being an environmental toxin especially to aquatic organisms And the two main types of sulfates that you should be on the lookout for are sodium lauryl sulfate, or SLS, and sodium laureth sulfate. (laughs) That's funny. Or SLES. So another ingredient is formaldehyde, and this you definitely have heard of. It is so bad for you. And as I said, this is banned by the EU, but for some reason not the United States. Make it make sense. Hold on. Augie, get out of this. Kitty, 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 kitty. My cat's in the sink. (laughs) Okay, so now I'm joined with my cats, both of them. This is this is Augie. She is a troublemaker. Augie, say hi again. She was in the beginning intro, by the way. <laughs> She's kind of feisty. Okay, back to formaldehyde. But yes, formaldehyde is terrible, and I'm definitely sure you've heard of it. 
It's used as a preservative in cosmetics, and there's an overwhelming amount of data that proves it's a known carcinogen. It's also linked to asthma, neurotoxicity, developmental toxicity, and it's a general irritant to skin, eyes, and lungs. So another ingredient, or actually ingredient family, are chemical sunscreens. And there are two types of sunscreens, chemical and physical. So a chemical sunscreen uses ingredients that absorb UV rays, and that absorbed energy is transformed into heat. So the UV rays don't reach the skin. But in a physical sunscreen, also known as a mineral sunscreen, that is an applied protective layer of minerals, and that absorbs UV rays as well as scatters them and reflects them away from your skin. So what you're going to want to do is go into the direction of physical sunscreens and totally bypass chemical ones. Dermatologists have mixed reviews about chemical sunscreens, but the gist is that chemical sunscreens have questionable ingredients and are definitely not reef safe. And they also have questionable effectiveness against sun exposure and UV rays. It's been talked about for a while now. Also, the chemicals and chemical sunscreens are very dangerous to women who are pregnant or breastfeeding, so please keep that in mind, mothers. So going back to the idea of being reef safe, that means sunscreen that's formulated without oxybenzone and octanoxate, which are two popular ingredients in chemical sunscreens that have been shown to cause both coral bleaching and harm marine life in the world's oceans. In fact, these two ingredients are thought to be one of the biggest factors that contribute to coral bleaching. That's ridiculous. In certain areas of the world with diverse reefs, you're not even allowed to bring your own sunscreen. You have to purchase approved sunscreen there for the safety of their ecosystems. And as a matter of fact, Hawaii actually imposed a ban on sunscreen containing these two ingredients, which just went into effect January 2021. So yes, look for a physical or a mineral variety containing either zinc oxide or titanium dioxide and not nano zinc oxide. That's a no-no. So another ingredient on this list is triclosan, and this is an antimicrobial chemical found in hand and body soaps and toothpastes. And several studies have actually linked this to liver fibrosis, cancer, and hormone disruption. And currently, the FDA is reviewing the safety of triclosan after several new studies that have found troublesome health concerns. But do I need to explain why you should not hold your breath for their consensus? And as for environmental impact, triclosan has actually been linked to toxicity towards aquatic bacteria, and it's also been deemed harmful to algae and dolphins. So that's another no-no. And the second to last one on this list is talc. Um, I'm pretty sure you've probably heard of talc powder, but talc is a mineral powder made from magnesium, silicon, hydrogen, and oxygen. The issue isn't really talc itself, but talc that hasn't been correctly purified and that can contain asbestos, which is a known carcinogen. And several studies have actually shown a small but noticeable link between routine exposure and several cancers, namely ovarian, lung, and uterine. So that's something to think about if that especially runs in your family. And the last item I have on this list, even though there's so many more, but once again, don't want to bore you, is mineral oil. Mineral oil is a moisturizing agent sourced from, just like petroleum, petroleum, and just like that, it's a serious environmental hazard. Also, a 2011 study actually found mineral oil to be one of the largest contaminants present in the human body. The study concluded that its presence in human fat tissue is likely due to a buildup over time from cosmetic-based exposures. 
So I had actually finished recording this episode yesterday on Wednesday night, but I don't know, listening back to it, it just, there was not enough information in the sections I'm about to explain and everything. So I had to redo it. I had to put more detail into it. I had to, I don't want to skimp out. Do you know what I mean? I wanted it to be good quality. So yeah, we are, we're back. (laughs) Pretend it's still Wednesday. Okay. So now let's talk skincare products. So there are so many products out there to use, including serums, oils, exfoliating peels, creams, lotions, all of that. And it's all a lot. It really is. And if you're on a budget or looking to minimize your routine, the main steps you really need without the fluff of all the extras is a good quality gentle facial cleanser, a good quality moisturizer, and a physical, not chemical, sunscreen. Those are the big three that you really should always use and always have on hand for a variety of reasons. I mean, the other products, don't get me wrong, are still really important for skin health, but they're not necessities. Like those are, I mean, it depends, but they don't come anywhere close to the level of importance of a good quality cleanser, moisturizer, and sunscreen. So keep that in mind. But if you're looking to spice up your routine, continue listening. So right now I'm going to talk about the general order that it's recommended to apply your products. So the first thing is a gentle cleanser. If you have oilier skin like I do, then it's fine to wash your face twice a day. But if you have a normal to dry skin type, then some people even recommend just washing your face once a day at night and then just rinsing your face with the warm water in the morning. But whenever you do wash your face, please use a good quality gentle cleanser. And by gentle, I mean one that doesn't strip your skin of its natural sebum. It doesn't leave your skin feeling stiff, dry, or even kind of painful or irritating to move, if that makes sense. Um, Also, as someone who used that really fancy-schmancy Clinique facial scrub brush for years, please don't. You don't need it. I would scrub my skin until it would peel because that's what I thought would make it clean. But by doing that, I was damaging my skin further. I was tearing it, like micro tearing it, and even causing premature wrinkles. It just was, pardon my French again, fucking up my skin's natural chemistry. Using your hands or even a gentle washcloth is enough. So the second thing on this list or the second thing to do in the order of your routine is using a toner. So the purpose of a toner is to remove any last trace of dirt and makeup that's stuck in your pores after you had just washed your face. And it also is used to help restore your skin's natural pH levels to smooth skin and refine rough patches and kind of just improve the overall skin tone. But it's not a necessity. Dermatologist Dr. Heather Rogers says that if you have healthy skin and you haven't been using a toner, then there's really no need to start using one in your routine. She even explains that toners are created to help return to the skin's natural pH after it becomes too basic from harsh soaps. Facial cleansers are now so much better balanced that toners are not required. So if you don't think you need it, feel free to minimize your routine and save some money. But if you want it, no problem. It's still good. The third thing in this routine is applying a serum. So there are serums like vitamin A, vitamin C, antioxidant, and more. So a serum is a skincare product that's designed to deliver high concentrations of a specific active ingredient to your skin. 
So they're easily absorbed oil or water-based liquids that you can just spread on your skin. And there are so many different types of serums on the market that perform different jobs. And that ranges from hydration to skin brightening, things like that. But be careful though, because some are recommended in the morning and daytime use, while others are strictly for nighttime use. And do you remember our little talk about retinoids? Don't forget that. Some do increase skin sensitivity and sun sensitivity. So if you're using a serum, you better be using sunscreen too. Not optional, as I said before. So after serums, you're going to want to use an eye cream. Eye creams are formulated specifically for the delicate skin around your eyes, so they tend to be a thicker, concentrated solution. They contain more oil than a regular facial lotion, and they have a lot of active ingredients aimed at the problems we see around the eye area. So Dr. Annie Chu, which is a board-certified dermatologist, says that it's so important to apply an eye cream at least every night, if not twice a day, starting in your mid or so 20s. And by just doing that, you'll help maintain the health and the thickness of your eyelid skin, and that'll improve the skin quality in this area at an early age. So regular use of a good quality eye cream over time will definitely help keep your eyelid skin elastic and can even improve or prevent some fine lines or collagen loss. Okay, I personally love crow's feet. If you don't know what crow's feet are, it's like those little tiny lines you get in the corner of your eyes. And you get those after like squinting a lot, which yes, it could be from the sun or squinting from smiling and laughing. So if you have an insecurity or a distaste for your crow's feet, just know that I'm not weird and a lot of people actually do like the look of crow's feet because it shows in a way youth, you know, like you're smiling and you're laughing a lot and that in a way signifies that you have a youthful mentality in the ways that count. So I love my crow's feet. Honestly, like if I used an eye cream for the rest of my life and I never got rid of my crow's feet, I would be one happy son of a gun. So just a little Thursday morning advice. <laughs> and a little side note, don't forget, just like you should wear sunscreen, wear sunglasses too. Protect your eyes and the skin surrounding them against UV light damage. That is really important. So after eye cream, you're going to want to use a moisturizer. While we do produce a natural moisturizer or lubrication sebum, we all need to use a good quality moisturizer. Yes, even us oily skin types. <clears throat> So using a moisturizer is what locks in all those healthy vitamins and supplements and nutrients and minerals from those serums and everything you use before this step. And it also keeps moisture in your skin and keeps germs out. So its purpose is to kind of act as an extra barrier for protection by strengthening and working with your skin's natural chemistry. So do not skip this step. It's one of the big three. Do not skip it. And the final thing, but one of the most important things, don't forget the big three, is applying sunscreen. Sunscreen is so important and don't think you only need sunscreen if you're going outside during the summer. You need sunscreen every single day, even if you're staying inside all day. Why? Let me explain. So there are two different types of ultraviolet rays that come from the sun and harm your skin. The first is ultraviolet A or UVA, which has longer wavelengths and is associated with skin aging. And then the second one is ultraviolet B, which has shorter wavelengths and is associated with skin burning, so like skin cancer, things like that. 
And while windows can typically block out harmful UVB rays, UVA rays can still penetrate through your windows and get you. So even if the sun isn't out, fun fact, about 80% of the UVA rays are still present when it's overcast out. That's why you wear sunscreen all day, every day, even if it's cloudy. So when you do get a sunscreen, please make sure that it's a physical or mineral variety and not the chemical type. Make sure it's reef-friendly and it has an SPF of 30 or better. So even though I already explained why you should avoid chemical sunscreen, here's another reason. Dr. Rogers, I mentioned her earlier, Dr. Heather Rogers, explained it perfectly when she said chemical sunscreens have to be absorbed into the skin in order to be effective. So applying after your moisturizer will delay and hinder that. However, if you apply your chemical sunscreen before your moisturizer, your moisturizer will not work as well either because the skin is coated with that chemical sunscreen. In other words, screw chemical sunscreen. (laughs) So if you don't know what SPF stands for, it stands for the sun protection factor. And the FDA has this like long explanation, but... All you really need to know is that as the SPF value increases, your sunburn protection increases with that. The Skin Cancer Foundation recommends a water-resistant sunscreen with an SPF of 30 or higher. But regardless of the SPF, it's so important to apply 1 ounce or 2 tablespoons 30 minutes before going outside and reapplying it every 2 hours or immediately after swimming or sweating. So that's the entire routine that's like the general guidelines, I guess. But some something you can try, not daily, but once or twice a week, depending on your skin sensitivity, is exfoliating. So there are physically abrasive ones that some are controversial, like the St. Ives apricot scrub. Then there are chemical peels like AHA, things like that. So look into exfoliators if you want an extra step in your routine about once or twice a week. Side note, um, even though it's another day, I'm still with my animals and my older dog, who's like, I'd say nine or so right now, has a snoring problem. If you hear that in the background. Anyway, now let's talk brands. (laughs) So what makes a brand a good brand? Here's a little analogy for you. So I know that we all want our skin to look its best, just like how you'd like to dress well. But while some clothing brands might make you look good, they can be made with cheap materials, take horrible care of their employees, and have a shitty overall impact on the planet. So the same goes for skincare. Some brands will offer products that get the job done, don't get me wrong, and for cheap and affordable at that matter. But at what other costs? All the brands I'm going to recommend are brands I've either used, plan on purchasing from, or I did my own research and stand by their ethics, ingredients, production processes, and reviews. Disclaimer though, none of these brands paid me or sponsored me in any way to say good things. I genuinely am recommending them because they're worth it and that's it. Also, these are just skincare brands. I have a lot of other recommendations for hygiene products like deodorants and shampoos or makeup, but that'll be in another episode. So I also wanted to say that if you're currently using a brand that works but isn't eco-friendly or has bad quality ingredients and you're looking to switch, please, if you can, finish what you have first. It's more wasteful and negative towards the planet if you just throw stuff in the garbage, so use up what you already had before you purchase something else. When I started my sustainability journey, one of the first rules I learned was that the most sustainable thing you can do is use what you already have. So... 
as much as we hate Mario Badescu, use the rest of that facial spray so you can buy the Mad Hippie Nutrient Mist. Speaking of Mad Hippie, they are the first brand we have on our good brand list. So I've used Mad Hippie for a few years now after switching from my eight-year streak of Clinique. And honestly, I'm in love with more than just their products. So Mad Hippie was founded in 2009 when the creators Sam and Dana Stewart were in search of a good quality skincare line, but just could not find one that met their strict standards. And they decided, screw it, we're going to make our own. Thank God they did. So their products are free of the toxic chemicals I listed. They're vegan, cruelty-free, plant-based, and they have the best interest of the planet at heart, which is honestly what drew me in in the first place. So $1 of every web sale they make is donated to a conservation program or project, and they even partnered with a recycling program called TerraCycle. If you don't know this, I love TerraCycle. But anyway, um, Mad Hippie uses good quality packaging for their products, but some of the containers are plastic due to health and safety measures. And in order to ensure that they are reused and recycled properly instead of recycled curbside, which there's a high chance that if you do that, they won't actually get recycled. So if you're in the United States and sign up with TerraCycle, they'll send you a free zero-waste prepaid envelope that you can fill with your empty, cleaned-out, mad heavy plastic packaging and drop in the nearest USPS mailbox. How cool is that? Mad Hippie also ships internationally and has a wide variety of options and products that work for a variety of skin types. And even though this is like kind of random, they have some of the best customer service lines ever. I emailed them a while back to ask why they used plastic packaging for some products and someone responded, not a robot, immediately with the nicest, most informative email and it blew me away. Um, I've actually been in contact with them recently for a little surprise we have coming up for you guys and they're just the sweetest people. No robot, no automated message, nothing like that, just genuinely good people with the right intentions. So the second brand I have on here is Woleda. It's W-E-L-E-D-A. I don't know if that's how you pronounce it, but I love this brand. Before I heard of Mad Hippie, I had run out of my Clinique lotion and I was looking to replace it, but not with Clinique again. So I did a little research about the best facial lotions that won't break the bank, won't break my skin out, and won't break the planet. And multiple times, Waleda came up, and in particular, their product called Skin Food. I love that name. (laughs) But first things first, I did research on the brand. They were founded in 1921 in Switzerland by Austrian philosopher Dr. Rudolf Steiner, Dutch doctor Ida Wegman, which is also a fun fact, one of Europe's first female medical doctors. How cool. And... Pardon me if I'm saying this wrong. German chemist and pharmacist Oskar Schmiedel. I think that's correct. I'm sorry. And they all founded this company on the idea of starting a skincare line that combines the mechanisms found in nature and working with the body's natural function. So combining the two. Their ingredients are ethically sourced, non-toxic, cruelty-free, paraben-free, GMO-free, phthalates-free, and synthetic fragrance-free. Instead, they use flower, fruit, and root extracts, minerals, and essential oils. Mm, I love. So like Mad Hippie, Waleda is a planet-first company, and they show that in their cultivating methods. They planted the first biodynamic gardens, meaning farming, seed production, and landscape maintenance follow the rhythms of nature and the earth. They also work in fair trade agreements with small farmers and gardeners to source their best raw materials. 
Also, their Swiss, German, and France-based manufacturing facilities use energy from 100% renewable sources. Amazing. Um, and also, just like Mad Hippie, they're also partnered with TerraCycle, where you can send in your used and cleaned plastic packaging to them, and they'll ensure that it's actually recycled. Okay, so when I realized that the brand was legit and good, I looked at their available products. So while I didn't use all of their products, I did use one called Skin Food. Skin Food is... I have too many good things to say about it. So it's like a multi-purposed moisturizer. So I think it's intended for hands and body. I'm not sure. However, so many reviews say you have to use it on your face. You have to try it. It's so good. And the ingredients are gentle enough for the skin on your face. So I was like, Ugh, whatever, we're going to try this. I mean, the price was amazing for a facial cream. So I was just like, why not? Let me tell you, I'm obsessed. I am obsessed. It does feel like it was shocking when I first got it because it is a bit thicker when you put it on your hand. You're like, oh, maybe this really is a body cream. And then you rub it on your face and it absorbs so well. It gives you like the most glowy, dewy look. And it really feels moisturizing and protective. I I love Mad Hippie. I will use their products, but I don't think I can part ways with my skin food. I, I don't think I can. So the third brand that I have on here is Ethique or Ethic. Dumbass, it's Ethic. So stupid. Sorry. So one of our That Girls actually DM'd me to ask about Ethic, and I really didn't know much about them. So... I did research, and after doing research, they're definitely worth the hype. Personally, I've never shopped here, but after reading the reviews and all, all things about them, I will definitely try them out. I have to. So, Ethic was started by Brianne West in 2012 on principles and morals that are what every company should definitely strive for. She started by mixing up her formulas in her home kitchen out of the frustration and anger towards the alarming amount of waste created by the cosmetics industry, and she was right to do so. She has a truly deep-rooted passion in environmentalism and all of that science, and she even completed her Bachelor of Science while doing all of this. So she started this brand with little to no money in her own at-home kitchen and as a poor university student, but with a high drive for change, and that's exactly what she did. Now, Ethic is a huge brand that's known all over the world, but they still have the same mission and principles as when they started in 2012. So Ethic produces products that are free of plastic packaging, they produce solid bars so you get the most out of your product, and they ship totally plastic-free. Their ingredients are cruelty-free and vegan, palm oil-free, and are ethically and fairly sourced, Ethic is also always partnering with earth and people-based companies, and as of April 22nd, 2020, and until forevermore, they'll plant a tree with their partner Offset Earth, a gold standard accredited carbon credit provider, for every order made through their website. That's incredible. So other brands that I wanted to mention, but I didn't have enough time to like fully go into detail, is Meow Meow Tweet, Aromatica, and I think it's O-S-E-A or Osea. So then I have some brands that are kind of in the middle, so it's good and bad depending on your situation and your viewpoints. So the first one is The Ordinary. Now listen, I've used The Ordinary and I really have to mention it. So The Ordinary, I do admire that they're very open and very honest about not being perfect and not being the most sustainable but if you're on a really limited budget, The Ordinary is still good because not everyone can afford 
really high end sustainable product. And that's just real, like being real. I can't like I can't be spending a crap ton of money on this, even though I want to. But once again, paying off student loans, not in the right space. Their products contain better quality ingredients than most common skincare lines, while there are still some ingredients that you should be cautious of, including silicones, cyclopentastiloxane, which is really bad for aquatic life and heavily regulated by the EU, and PEG ingredients. They do use a lot of glass packaging, so that is a plus, and they're also cruelty-free and vegan, so there's that. And they also do have a in-store cycling program. So if you are kind of limited in your options, it's understandable why you would choose the ordinary. And the second brand I have that's in the middle is The Body Shop. So this might be controversial because they are famous for being one of the most sustainable and environmentally friendly brands, and they sell their products at a very affordable price. So they are cruelty-free, and their ingredients are directly sourced from farmers around the world. So the issue is that They are also known to have some really aggressive and irritating fragrances in their products. So if your skin is sensitive to that, that's something to consider. They're not terrible. It's just the fragrances are a bit concerning. So now let's talk bad brands. These are brands that have lied to their customers. They do not put the customer or the planet first, and they are known to use shitty ingredients. So the first I have is Clinique and Estee Lauder. This isn't the worst brand on this list, but I am saying it first because I've mentioned them like 12,000 times. So listen, I lived, I breathed, and I died for Clinique for eight years of my life. And the only makeup that I would use was Estee Lauder because that's what my mom used and it was like high-end, good quality makeup. So trust me when I say this, this was hard for me to come to terms with. Clinique and Estee Lauder are sister brands, so they're one and the same to me. Clinique states that their mission is to provide the safest, most effective formulas that bring amazing results. So there's no parabens, phthalates, or fragrance. But that being said, they do use chemicals like petrolatum and oxy... I can't get this word right. Octinoxate. There we go. And that's like the chemical sunscreen. And I already mentioned those um, chemicals, but they also use disodium EDTA, which affects estrogenic and thyroid activity. And they also use phenoxyethanol, which even the FDA warned that that this chemical is not safe, that it's pretty toxic. Um, They're also in hot water at the moment and are facing a class action lawsuit over false claims of using probiotics in their skincare products. And, 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 and in 2013, they were in a similar boat due to claims of anti-aging properties that were called into question. That's just something to think about. And the reason I still recommend The Ordinary over Clinique, even though they both have concerning ingredients, is that The Ordinary is cheap. You're getting what you pay for, but with Clinique, this is considered a high-end luxury brand. So you're definitely overspending for dangerous irritants, and that's just the facts. Clinique and Estee Lauder are not vegan or cruelty-free, and they're available in countries like China that require animal testing on imported cosmetics. However, while Clinique has little to say about their sustainability, Estee Lauder has been working towards a more sustainable future, and I have to give them props for that. They stated that they have celebrated several important milestones in 2020 with regards to climate change, including net zero carbon emissions and 100% renewable electricity sourcing for direct operations. They've also invested in a large solar plant in New York and a large upgrade of a water softening system in Blair, Minnesota, 
and that should lead to an annual 600,000 gallon water reduction. That's that's pretty impressive. I'll give him that. So the second brand. You've heard of this. You've had to have heard of this. Mario Badescu. Screw this brand. Screw it. And, you know, they're affordable. And they're talked about by celebrities like Kylie Jenner and Lily Reinhardt. And so they must be good, right? Bursting that bubble again. No, they're not. In 2013, there was a lawsuit filed against Mario Badescu for falsely advertising that its products contained only natural ingredients. See, there's the word natural. It's a marketing scheme, but in this case, somebody called them out, so good for them. Instead of being botanically based, as the company claims, the products were found to be full of seriously damaging steroids that were just totally annihilating consumers' skin. If you don't know what steroid use will do to you, It'll cause enlarged capillaries and, in extreme cases, skin atrophy. So this means that your skin will become thinner and thinner and easily tear. And then those tears will lead to diseases, fungal growth, rashes, infections, and blisters that will peel and ooze. And then when the company removed the steroids from their products as they were supposed to, customers suffered from topical steroid withdrawal, which is just as bad, if not worse. So now the products claim to be free of them, but would you trust a brand that did that in the first place and lied about it? Obviously, they did not have any regards to their consumer's safety or well-being or the actual effectiveness. They just wanted a quick buck, and that's what they got. But in the end, they got, you know, karma. Um, They also have no sustainability factor, so that's disgusting too. So we are an anti-Mario Badescu, Jeff Bezos page so some other brands that you should probably start avoiding if you can um saint ives for its dangerous exfoliant vaseline due to its petrolatum bior and certain neutrogena products but once again we are out of time that concludes today's episode it was a lot and i know that i missed a lot because this industry is just convoluted and messy and frustrating and once again I'm not a dermatologist. I'm just a kid. (laughs) I'm a kid that's curious. So the best advice that I can give is to do your own research on your skincare ingredients and try to hold your products up to the EU or I feel like I didn't say the full name. Try to hold your products up to the European Union. That's why I didn't say it. I can't say European. To the European Union's standard. There we go. Screw US regulation. They're doing nothing. (laughs) And that's like a whole political conundrum that I cannot get into because I don't want to get canceled by the U.S. government. I love my country, but like, come on. (laughs) Okay, okay, calm down. I'm just excited to have gotten this episode done. It was so long, so much research. Uh, I'm currently in the process of planning out some permaculture things for my own garden and mental health. But I had to put that on the back burner for this skincare routine episode. So please enjoy it. I hope you did. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you did, please, please, please leave us a good review in the Apple Podcast Store. Um, It would mean the world to me, and I do read everything you guys say, and I love you guys. If you did not like today's episode, honestly, I really would like to know why, because this was a weirder episode. I feel like it was more research-based and more talky-talky. Did that make sense? Anyway, Please DM me on Instagram at So You Want to Be That Girl. I really want to know what you thought, whether you liked it or not. Please just talk to me. I'm all ears. Also, 
All the brands that I mentioned that I support, I'm not going to mention any of the shitty brands, are linked in the episode bio. So please check out the bio. Check out Bryn Lowe's skincare page. She's amazing. Um, Yeah. I will see you next Wednesday. I'm sorry this episode was late. Okay, I've been talking too long. I love you so much. I'll talk to you next week. Have a great week. Bye.